members? Well, do you know, I suspect for some of them, it is the drama and the heroism that doubtless appeals to them. But there are some really important behind-the-scenes things about that that really do have echoes with who we are as a church. Because, you see, they become a very strong team. They have a very strong sense of belonging to one another. They have a sense of trust that builds up. Very often on the program, they talk about being willing to trust the other person with their lives. And then there is the diversity of people in the team. There's hairdressers and bank clerks and mechanics and IT specialists, all sorts of people. But each person has their own everyday life, but they're also part of this bigger cause, this bigger mission, this shared purpose, which for them is saving lives at sea, working towards that purpose. Did you catch that little echo that he said, it becomes a way of life? There's another little connection. Because they can't just turn up in response to the pager. They have to have a rhythm and routine of training combined with a willingness to be available. And these are very demanding aspects of this role. They have to be willing to go out in all weathers. So there are appealing reasons why you might want to be a lifeboat crew member. And there are other things that are demanding, and isn't that true of being part of a church as well? But being part of something bigger than yourself, being something, being part of something where you share a purpose with other people and with a great diversity of other people, that is also our joy. That resonates with us. We have a mutual purpose bringing the presence and uh, awareness of the presence of God to people in the world. Now, what is our purpose? Having shown you that clip, the risk I feel, and some of you might have said this, is that you think your purpose is to save lives. I'd like to suggest that that's God's job. That is God's job. Just like I couldn't be a lifeboat crew member because the stakes are too high, I can't carry the responsibility of saving people. But God does. And all God asks me to do is partner with him. And he gives me the opportunity to be part of that mission And I do indeed. We all can indeed be part of rescuing, saving, transforming. Our own lives, by coming in connection with God, have been transformed. And we long and pray for that to be so for other people. But that is God's work. We do get the chance to be part of life-changing, dramatic moments. But an awful lot of the Christian life is about shared journeying, about shared learning, training, commitment. They don't show most of that on the lifeboat programme. You only see the sort of really scary, dramatic moments. But actually, those are very infrequent. Week in, week out, they're doing the stuff. 
They're just learning. They're getting ready for those moments. There's a resonance there for our calling as well. Our calling to love God and love other people, that is our purpose, I would suggest to you. What are we called to do? What's our mission? We heard it in our gospel reading. Our two compass bearings, if you like, the way we are to be in the world, Jesus made it very clear, we're to love God and love other people. And as we do that, then we are bringing the awareness of the presence of God into our world. In that calling, if we follow it, we will have those moments of drama and joy. We might well see a life saved, an experience of transformation that brings great joy. But our way of life together calls also for times of training, learning together, deepening trust in one another. More than trust, actually, reliance on one another. So you see, there are lots of parallels between lifeboat crew and what it ought to be, the life of the church. We're also called to be responsive, to be altruistic, to be inconvenienced for the good of other people, to be willing to commit because the whole lifeboat enterprise would rapidly fall apart if no one was willing to come to the training sessions and if, when the pager went off, most people rolled over and went back to sleep. There is a level of commitment. But there's one other thing that you perhaps wouldn't have noticed in that clip, and as a fan of the program, let me just tell you, this is a point that comes over and over and over, and I think it is very pertinent to us as a church. The lifeboat crew are completely non-judgmental about the people they rescue. Nobody is told, oh, you daft so-and-so, you've got yourself into a right pickle here. Well, we're not coming out in this weather to save you. It is not easy. People get into problems for all sorts of reasons. And the thing that sparked this sermon this morning was the story of a young man who took out his paddleboard onto the sea. And it was a windy day, but he hadn't noticed that the wind was blowing from the shore out to sea. He also hadn't noticed that the tide was flowing from the shore out to the sea. And he merrily paddled out into the horizon thinking, oh, I'm such a great paddleboarder, until he tried to turn round and come back. And at that point, he realised he was a long way from the shore and he had no wetsuit on and he had no life jacket. And David and I are sitting looking at the screen going, oh, oh, you know, we've watched this program long enough to know that that was a stupid thing to do. But not a bit of it. The lifeboat crew went out, hauled him out of the water, and his face when they turned up, the relief on his face, there was no judgment. People get into trouble in life for all sorts of reasons. For reasons of love, people who throw themselves into their water after their beloved pets, never a good idea. The pet normally survives, the person very often doesn't. 
But love gets us into trouble. People get into trouble because they haven't noticed the tide or the sand suddenly gives way beneath them. It is, there is no fault, there is no blame. And that should be the case in church. Because life is like being on the sea. Life is not a safe, easy or predictable place to be. Life is not a paddle on a safe sunny day down a gentle stream. It is navigating your fragile self in the fragile self that is your body through constant ups and downs and tides and currents and wind and storm. And if you think that being part of church makes you any less vulnerable to the storm of life, you are wrong, I'm afraid. It doesn't make you less vulnerable. The waves still go up and down. The lifeboat crew still has to take care of themselves. Might make you a little bit more ready. But just like the sea, events in life can lift us up and then they can crash us down. Now here's the most important thing that I'm going to say this morning. The sea is not God. The sea is not God. The sea is simply life on planet Earth. The mistake made by very many people, and quite a few of them Christians, is to think that the sea is God. Because I hear this frequently in phrases like, somebody up there doesn't like me, or what did I do to deserve this? All of this implies that Somehow, the sea is God. The ups and downs and buffetings of life, the wind, the waves, our own stupidity at times, but all of those things are not God. It is just life. So no judgment, no blame. All of us can get into trouble on the sea of life. Ah, but, you say to me, surely, Sheila... Haven't you read the story about Jesus stilling the storm, calming the waves? Shouldn't God come along and do that for us when we're really struggling? Yes, Jesus did do that. But he also told Peter to get out of the boat and walk on the stormy waters. And when we remember the story of Jesus waking up and stilling the storm, we forget the story of Paul, who for three weeks was battered and driven before the winds so that the sun and stars didn't appear for many days and they feared for their lives. Now, intriguingly, Paul didn't give up hope. And apparently, according to the the account of the story, he didn't even try to calm the wind and the waves. Personally, in that situation, I think I might even be willing to have that a go at that miracle, but he doesn't record that he did. But he did do two things in that storm. And what he did was guided by those compass bearings, those how do I navigate myself in this situation? I love God and I love other people. First thing, he loved God. He did not give up hope. 
And he kept saying to those people in the boat, this is all going to be okay. I believe and trust in God. He did not, he did not reject or abandon God. The second thing he did following the second compass point is that he intervened twice to make sure that the sailors didn't hop over the side of the boat and escape in a lifeboat, which they wanted to do, and that the soldiers didn't kill the prisoners because they didn't want the prisoners to survive. He intervened for the love of people. So he was guided by those compass points. This wasn't fun. They were starving. They were hungry. The storm had not stopped, but Paul followed those bearings of love God and love other people. And in the end, all of those souls on that ship made it through the breakers to the shore. Paul's actions were determined by loving God and loving other people. Do you know, we would much rather, if we're all of us honest, we would much rather that Jesus simply turned up in our lives to still storms and make things better. As we sang that worship song, My Jesus, My Saviour, I thought of the promise, forever I'll stand. Will I? Will I? Sometimes life is pretty hard and I'm tempted not to stand. Sometimes I get discouraged. But we're not promised plain sailing. What we are promised instead is the presence of a captain. We are promised the presence of God. The trouble is that when we do go through very difficult experiences, we do reject God. Oh, hang on a minute, you say to me, that's a bit harsh, Sheila, I haven't rejected God. But the reality is, we trust God just a little less. We commit just a little less. We withdraw. We're just not too sure of this God. Is he safe? Does he really love us? So where do you stand this morning navigating the storms of your life? You might feel that you're on your own, in your own little boat, simply bailing out as fast as you can and just keeping your hand on the rudder and your head above water. Allow us to be there with you. That's what we're here for. We are a family of God. We are all called together. Don't be on your own in your little boat. Be willing to say, I need help or I need prayer. Or just please be with me because this is really rough at the moment. Or do you feel like you're part of the crew? Do you feel like you're part of a people with a mission here? Are you willing to learn and commit and train to help to help yourself and help others navigate difficult realities of life. Remember, you're not the one who saves. God is. Let's God do what God does and let's us do what we can. But where are you with God? Have you mistaken the chaos, the wind, the waves, the events of life with God himself? It helps us and it's really important for all of us to remember that God transcends the reality of our lives. No better picture of that than Jesus calmly walking through waves and storms.
God transcends our reality, but we withdraw. The first step back is to simply notice, to simply notice that we've withdrawn, to acknowledge it and to say, I'm sorry, to ask for courage and confidence to still trust. Because we as a church do have a purpose to fulfill. It isn't just Lifeboat Cruise that has a purpose. And don't worry, I'm almost finished. I know this is quite a long sermon. I want to make one final point. All of us have a purpose. The church has a purpose. Almost every human enterprise, organization, or business has its own purpose statement. And a couple of weeks ago, Peter and I were at a diocesan conference, and we were reminded of this purpose statement. Could you bring that slide up? Okay. So this says, for the ups and the downs and everything in between, it's a people thing. How many of you know what organization? (laughs) Peter knows. Anyone recognize that? Remember that from adverts? Who is promoting themselves in that way? Ah, None of you watch any channels which got adverts on. (laughs) No one know? Yeah, David does. Go on, I haven't told you. It is. It is the Halifax. Yeah, that's what they say about themselves. They're a bank. They're a bank. And there they are saying, for the ups and the downs and for everything in between, it's a people thing. I'm sorry, but that should be our purpose statement. We're here. We're here for the ups and the downs and everything in between. And it is a people thing. This should be our mission statement. It's not about intellectual consent. Church is not about moral conformity. It's all about relationship. It's a people thing. Without that, without that relationship between us, we have no ability to fulfill our purpose. Without that relationship between us and God, we're cut off from the source of strength and wisdom and courage that we need We cannot hope to represent God in the world without that relationship. So in a few weeks' time, because Roger's going to order it for us, you're going to see a banner go up on the railing outside church, and um, it's based roughly on this, the same three pictures of a baptism, a funeral, and a wedding. And the words are, for the day and all the days to come, a child arrives, a life ends, a marriage begins just ask and it's saying we here as the people of God we're here for those big life events that go on these are common life events to all of humanity so let's be the people of God who represent and present God to our society being aware that we ourselves navigate the storms of life and being willing to walk without judgment alongside others as they navigate their own storms. So let's be just still and quiet for a moment or two before we stand to sing what we believe. (coughs) 